Hey there, this is Comparing Apples to Oranges. Uh, I'm Mike. Hi Mike, how are you doing? I'm Jeremy. <laughs> Welcome aboard, Jeremy. This is the podcast where we take two things. They're the tangentially podcast. related, is usually how you and I do it. Right, these two things are tangentially related that are not in the same genre, but belong in the same category, and we compare them with a special set of criteria designed for this episode. Jeremy, it's been a while. Welcome back. So happy to have you. Hey, I'm happy to be back. This is what's the last one we did? Was it the 17776 one? That's it. Numbers. Yeah. <laughs> every, numbers versus numbers. I uh, every time you're here, it's so hard to describe what we're doing, but uh, <laughs> it's it. I think you understand the most what the the premise is that being said i do not need you to try to describe it because it'll only embarrass me that you don't quite understand it but you understand it the best and i i i from the beginning have always thought it's like what are two things that sound like they would be related but they aren't yeah but then but then you actually get down to it and you're like oh actually there's more connections than i thought so like we had two movies directed by like oh, not one direct, was not directed. No, one by. was we had no we had one directed by John Cassavetes and one oh, directed yeah. by his son Nick Cassavetes, and I for, didn't even realize that they both have Jenna Rollins in them, yeah, and they're both romances, and I was like, oh okay, well this is, uh, and this I is think surprising, and I think that's uh it it bodes well for today where we it had one noticeable connection, and then like three subsequent connections that like once you i guess like not even reading the like the synopsis of the film but like once you start watching you're like oh huh yeah like so we uh jeremy's like hey i think we should watch movies with steve mcqueen in it and i'm like well i just watched the blob with the steve mcqueen and that was great uh which steve mcqueen movies do you want to watch and you're like how about hunger and uh and the great escape and i looked up hunger i'm like that doesn't have Steve McQueen in it. That was shot in 2008. And you're like, no, no, no. Yeah. Scroll down. I'm like, oh, yeah, the that... director. So I, I went in thinking, okay, we'll do a movie directed by Steve McQueen. We'll do a movie starring Steve McQueen because I always think it's funny that they have the same name. Right. It's hilarious. Um, they, and I'm then like, neither of them want then, to go by Steven. It's great. And then I was like, I, I've only seen one movie with each of them. I had only seen... 12 Years a Slave, directed by Steve McQueen. Mm -hmm. And I had only seen uh, The Great Escape with Steve McQueen, but it had been since, like, middle school. No, I think I watched it for, like, a film class in high school, so it's been quite some time. Yeah, and so I was going to say maybe we do, like, Bullet or something, but then I was like, wait, Hunger is about prisoners that are resisting Mm -hmm. against fascism, and... The Great Escape is – I remember it being really good. I don't remember anything about it. I would like to rewatch that. And that's also about prisoners that are resisting against fascism. Right. And so it just seemed too good to not do. Yeah. Um, they're also uh, both based on a true story, which, I mean, I you can figure it out, but, like, you don't realize it until they're like, no, this was based on a book. And then, like, uh, The Great Escape had multiple – members of the cast or is it called oh crew cast or crew like had military experience some of them were like in world war ii some of them were in korea as like 
and portrayed like they did some of the things that they did in the, so their their characters had some of the aspects of like what they did in the real military and most of them were based on real people according to this book that this like guy wrote who was a part of all of this which is blew my mind i had no idea going into it that's that's something you forget about um well, this this time period where they, were, they made a ton of World War Two movies yes. and a lot of like, war movies, exactly. That so many that I never even thought about that. So many people involved in making it were there. Yeah, because uh, I think I want to say it was the guy who played Big X. Like he was in a, a POW camp in Nazi Germany, and oh, the, wow. dire- the director was talking about something. He's like, "Hey, uh, so." These things, like, you you did a good job with these details, but this is, like, some facts that I want you to get right. And, like, the director dismissed him and's like, uh, if I wanted your opinion, ask for it. And then, like, I don't know if it was, like, a PA or something was like, hey, uh, he was a POW in Nazi Germany. He's like, oh, cool, 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 cool. And then he's, like, from then on, like, worked with him to do a good job of portraying it, which is... That's hilarious. You just, uh, like, I think you brought up a good point. It's like, that's just not something you really expect out of Hollywood until... I want to say recently, but that's just, you know, Mm -hmm. the historical bent where it's just like, you know, John Wayne's a cowboy and, you know, John Wayne's a war hero. And like, that's Mm -hmm. the sort of everything. John John Wayne's a racist. Oh, this one's realistic. No, (laughs) they're not going to make that movie. You get ironically, you have to wait until Clint Eastwood makes it, which is like kind of a mind fuck if you think about it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially recently. But it kind of kind of reminds me of the guy that played Soromon. Yeah. In uh, Lord Chris- of the Rings, yeah, Christopher, what is it? Uh, can't remember his last name. Lambert, Christopher Lambert, yeah. I guess. Um, that he apparently said to um, Peter uh, Jackson. Peter Jackson, because uh, you heard this story. No, that he was like he was like that's not the sound that a man makes when he gets stabbed with a sword. <laughs> it's more like. <laughs> Because the air is being pushed out of him, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, really?" And then he, and he, and then the next part of the quote is Peter Jackson because, yeah, the, he then started to tell me about some clandestine moment during World War II because he was like a spy and he like stabbed people in the back. Whoa! And he's like, when you get stabbed in the lungs, you don't go, "Oh!" You go, <laughs> <laughs> "Like it's different." I thought you were gonna talk about how Christopher Lambert like was really into metal, like he's into like heavy metal. Like, he was a singer and, like, produced, like, weird gothic albums. But, um, I mean, both of them kind of explain each other. Like, either way, it makes sense that he knows about sword stabbings. I'm looking up his name, because Christopher Lambert doesn't sound right to me for some reason. It's Um, not Christopher Reeves. I can tell you that right now. Christopher Lee. Ah, Christopher Lambert's a different guy. Yeah, I I was like... He's also in weird stuff. No, he wasn't a metal. He he sang on like a metal album at some point. Christopher Lambert's the guy from Mortal Kombat and uh, Highlander. He's the Highlander. Oh boy, do I feel dumb. Either way, swords. Uh, bringing up good good topics. Um, but yeah, so we found out both of these movies were based on a true story about prison. Uh, they're in the Criterion Collection. And is is Hunger in there? Did I just make that up? I, I would I would guess, okay. but I'm not sure. Well, I think I might had... I think I might have watched it on the Criterion Channel, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's got a Criterion. Oh, okay. Collection. Gotcha. 
Um, both of them had like huge accolades. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fun fact: the like the only Golden no Academy Award mm-hmm. that um Great that the Great Escape one was for editing, and I'm like, oh, that's funny because it's uh three hours long. <laughs> I mean, that's not what editing is in movies, but isn't yeah. it? Well, okay, there's editing that you can edit a script and cut out things. That's fair. That's not what a film editor does. A film editor, like, takes all the shots and weaves them together to make various effects movie. seem to happen. I guess, like, they were saying, like, he did so much, he had to do so much for it to flow so smoothly, so. Well, yeah, because there's, there's so much going on. Yeah. like the, And especially, like, the underground stuff and... I don't know. It's it's a lot of different types of things going on, which I don't know. I I didn't pay that much. I don't know enough about editing to like really notice it the first time I watch a movie. Yeah, Sometimes because there aren't like... a lot of star wipes. I mean, that's the that's the good kind of <laughs> editing. Good kind of editing you don't see. You know, like I I remember watching The Sting for the second time in like within five years. Yeah. And just noticing the shots and the way things are composed and all. Whereas, like the first time you're watching, or the first time you're watching it since middle school, mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh, I'm just swept up in the story." It's so hard to like notice, like craft things like that when it's not like lighting or whatever, you know. I think you bring up that's a great point, and that's uh like the um, shot in Hunger where Michael Fassbender is having the um, talk with the priest, and it's. Like it's a seventeen minute unbroken shot, which is yeah. followed by which is followed by like a five minute unbroken shot. So it's it's almost as if these two film actors are in a Broadway Broadway and a like perf, a play performance, like a, mm-hmm. you know, dramatic literature and like but then the camera like he has to smoke like two cigarettes and like they're moving. It's at least two cigarettes. It's probably three or four cigarettes. I feel like. And they're like leaning back and forth, and then like light is coming in a specific way. So like, they said the uh, fun fact was like his co-work coworker his so co-star. Should we? Should we? I, I'm, I, I like I like where we're going, but I just realized um, uh, people that are listening might not know at all what these movies are about. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. So, so let's let's come back to that. I think because I, I it just occurred to me we have not said anything about the IRA or. Uh, oh yeah, that was Bobby all before Sands. we started recording. You're right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, do you want to give a blurb on Hunger, and I'll do a blurb on The Great Escape. Okay. Um, Hunger is directed by Steve McQueen, who is not the white American actor from like the 50s. It is a. Um, black english director mm-hmm. who makes a lot of movies about people that are struggling with difficult situations that's the that's a, a a reductive way to say it um but so there's a movie about um the resistance that imprisoned members of the irish republican army made against like maggie thatcher's government because she was refusing to acknowledge them as political prisoners because if they're political prisoners then by the geneva convention or whatever the fuck they get certain rights um and she's like no they're just fucking criminals they're just killing english people they're blowing up cars and stuff um and so they do a resistance initially that was the 
like a no wash resistance yeah. i think it was called that's it where they smeared their shit on the wall of their prisons and didn't take care of themselves and the leftover food they would like smear that in the wall and they just made it miserable for all the guards um and then bobby sands decides this way michael fassbender decides that they should do a hunger strike and this priest tries to convince them that they shouldn't and that's the 17 minute right long scene which is like a play but like more intense because like you know the close-up yeah um and so he goes through with the hunger strike he his body deteriorates so much um, which is, I don't know why I didn't expect this to happen. I knew it was a movie about a hunger strike and it did not occur to me that the actor would lose like a hundred pounds. You thought there was just going to be like, like pages of the calendar falling off and the song by temple of a dog. I, I just didn't think about it. I don't know. I was like, Oh yeah, it's about body sands. He leads a hunger strike. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know it was going to get to, cause basically it was so they, they mentioned that previous hunger strikes failed because they all started at the same time yeah and england was like they just waited them out until they all died at once or one person like, dies and they all quit yeah and he was like i'm gonna do it and then two weeks later someone else is gonna start and we have enough people signed up to do this that we can do this for like half a decade yeah um and uh he eventually dies spoiler alert i mean it's history it's based on a true story it happened in um, 1981 so. And then and then they get some of the rights, but not, not officially called political prisoners. But I think they get all the rights. That's what, yeah, they said virtually everything was agreed upon. Yeah, it was in like the uh, the ending title, one of the ending title cards. Yeah. So hopefully, now that we have said that, because everyone kind of knows what the Great Escape is, we're like, oh, you know that movie Hunger, uh, and then we just it sounds like a horror movie and then when you search hunger in imdb the first four hunger hunger uh, hunger strike movies god damn it the first four <laughs> hung, hunger game movies show up you're like how is hunger games part two the third one show up before this like incredibly well accoladed movie yeah i don't know um i mean more people were probably searching for that mm. They, they haven't heard of this. They movie. know what happens. Anyway, The Great Escape. Uh, so I want to point out both of these movies are prison movies, but that's kind of like saying like the the HBO show Oz and the movie and the TV show Prison Break are about also about prison. <laughs> it's just like one is well, I mean, there's not a one to one comparison, of course, but one is like a, an incredible like psychological drama with like heavy stakes and realistic outcomes and then the other is like uh on the surface the other is just an action adventure movie or tv show and i think uh what i want to point out with the great escape is like so it's it is an american film um but about british soldiers and um i think there's there's two or three americans yeah that's I right. Total. Yeah. Um, so it, it's classified as an epic adventure suspense war film. So I think they don't even have the word prison in here because it's a POW camp, and so they classified it as a war film. But this is, I mean, these men are detained against their will. So by definition, it is a prison movie um, based on a 1950 nonfiction book written by Paul Brickhill. Um, so, which was a first-hand account of the mass escape by the British Commonwealth POWs from a, a Stalag Luft three camp 
in Poland. So um, was was the was the author like was he there? He was. Um, I don't remember. Because I I was thinking I was like that's a quick turnaround for doing all this research for how many people are involved, and then you said first hand account, and I was like, oh, was so he... he was a Australian fighter pilot and a POW. Okay, and he was also a journalist. And um, there there is an Australian character. Yes, I think. Yeah, you're right. But they do say in the title card up front that um, they condensed. And combined a bunch of characters. Yes, because I mean, like, it's hard enough to follow this many people, even like for this long of a movie. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it is. Uh. Like the premise seems like ludicrous by all rational standards until you like kind of understand, like, when we think about Nazi Germany now, we just assume that like they weren't playing by any rules, but like. Most of the stuff that we found out about was, like, the world legitimately didn't know about, like, because they were doing such a good job of hiding so much stuff. Like, nothing was called a death camp on paper, except mm. for, like, way later. And so, like, and they went out of their way to point out that, like, these officer POW camps were being run by the German military, so it wasn't run by the SS or the Gestapo. So, like, it was kind of realistic that they would treat these people... Because one of the things that seemed ridiculous is that, like, these foreign POWs were being treated pretty civilly by Nazi Germany. And then we cut to Hunger, which is, like, takes place, you know, 40 years later. And you're watching, like, these deplorable conditions of, like, British people treating effectively their own citizens like animals, you know? But, mm. it, like... I think I think one important distinction there, <clears throat> if you don't mind me jumping in, of course, is um, I think when in war or at least during like World War Two, it's like, well, if the Nazis started just executing all their prisoners, they they have prisoners of war that are being taken too. Exactly. So they're like they're like there's they're like we're playing we have a reason to play by the same rules, whereas Maggie Thatcher's like. Well, if we treat these people like shit, what are they going to do to us? Like, they're already blowing up our cars. Yeah. You know? No, I think that that brings up a good point in that, like... So, one of the major complaints, uh, popular complaints online about The Great Escape is how, like, it takes liberties with fact and, like, fictionalizes a bunch of stuff. And I originally thought, I'm like, oh, why would, like, these, you know, prisoners of war be treated so nicely and it's like because like germany was still like very much on the world stage at this point and like most of the stuff was being played pretty straight laced and like you know brit all of europe had already acquiesced to you know the nazis so it just kind of seemed like you know they were playing by the rules and they just were going to win the war and so like it makes sense that of course they're not going to execute everybody that's madness and that's why like at the end spoilers of course this is a like well over 50 year old movie like when they do <laughs> like massacre the 50 like 50 of the 75 escapees like mm. everybody takes it so seriously where in my head i'm just like i they were killing like thousands of people 
a day, yeah, but like but in a like... death camp that was hidden. Like they called it concentration camp, but nobody knew they were actually mass executing people. So it's mm. like to take all this stuff, it's kind of hard for us to understand it in the modern history with like that lens of, well, it's been so long and we know all this stuff now, but like, you know, like you mentioned the Geneva conventions and like that came Those about because exist, like yeah. we found out that they weren't doing the stuff in this POW camp that they were with, you know, Jewish citizens of their own country. So, yeah, I think, yeah. And it's like, you're like, why would they put all these people who are escaping in one place? And you're like, because like they were, they, Germany had a issue with, they didn't have enough people to, you know, they were fighting mm. the British front. They were fighting the Russian front and they were trying to keep these POWs in a camp. So like, it's a logistics issue. And that's what like, it kind of makes yeah. sense when you think of it like that. So yeah, the logistics totally makes sense when you think about it for like a second, because it's like, okay, so the premise is like, uh, as soldiers or at least officers, what like your duty is if you are captured that you're supposed to try to escape so that they sp expend resources on trying to catch you. Right. And so then these people have all escaped a bunch of times. And so they're putting them all in one prison, which it's like, if you think about it, it's like, Oh yeah, they're not going to build every prison like this. Right. Where where they're literally measuring how much dirt is underneath every house because they're worried they're going to tunnel out. Right. Or they've got guards that can see every inch of the fence or whatever yeah. the fuck. Um, yeah. So it's like it's like oh it's like they're going to build one big prison for the people that are paying the ass, mm -hmm. and then leave everyone else in the normal prisons and they're. And, I mean, and that's it's a plan the plan that makes sense. It like when we say prison, it's like the joking aside, like these guys were getting like. The Red Cross would bring them stuff, and, like, they would get, like, records, and, you know, they were allowed to make their own, uh, like, yeah, vodka, which, yeah. like, you could easily, like, <laughs> you can't usually do that because that's an accelerant, and, like, you know, mm. but uh, they said that that's probably based on a real thing that, like, the British soldiers did for Christmas one year was, like, make their own moonshine, and so, like, all this stuff, like, it, it seems unbelievable because it's a it seems unbelievable because it's a movie and you're like oh look at these all these famous you know Hollywood actors are having a good time in in a prisoner of war camp but no it's like mm -hmm. most of this stuff happened in some shape or form so uh, one of the things that like I looked up on this website they're like the the, this movie has so many historical errors. One of the things they said, the film shows the tunnel codenamed Tom with its entrance under a stove and Harry's in a drain sump in a washroom. In reality, Dick's entrance was in a drain stump and Harry's was under the stove. I'm like, oh, wait. fuck off. I'm really? like, that's like... not that's not flagrant mister like disregard for facts. That's just like intentional change. <laughs> like. That's like if they changed the name of a character to have a different name. They'd be like, actually, the guy's name was George. His name was not S yeah. Sam. Like, who fucking cares? Did you cares? know Steve McQueen wasn't actually riding a real motorcycle that was back then? I'm like, yeah, that's the least of my concerns when he's, like, jumping over hills. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's a fun segment of the movie. Yeah. So, there, that, that was somewhat frustrating. Uh... But most of the stuff they quote-unquote got wrong was, like, because they weren't going to make a movie about, you know, two years in a prison camp. That's not 
a movie that people want to see. Oh, yeah. And I, they say up front that they condensed the timelines, I think. And not to mention, like, I think the most important thing is that, like, three guys make it out and everybody else other gets brought back or murdered. I think, yeah. like, because they didn't change that, I think that's kind of a feather in their cap for sticking to realism. Yeah, definitely. Because it's a movie that has a lot of humor in it. Yes. But then it is, in the end, tragic. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's so great about it. I mean, if it was like, oh, like, and also not not the people that you expect to make it, make it. Yeah. Like, yep. Because there's certain people where you're like, oh, their story's been so tragic, they're going to be the ones that make it. Right. And it's like, nope, trick. It's yeah. these other people that you kind of forgot about. They made it. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and, you know, that's just sort of, especially because it's called The Great Escape. You're like, it's, like, three guys made it out and 50 were murdered. Like, how great is that? And you're like, but they did say that uh, in, like, years later they found out that it was pretty effective because they, like, Hitler mm. actually wanted to murder everybody that got, that escaped and was recaptured. And, like, they had to talk him down to 50. You're like, god damn. Oh, wow. Because, like, it, and they had to do it clandestinely and they took pairs out every two weeks so that it wasn't obvious because they're like we can't like you said we can't mass you know murder yeah. prisoners of war so i think you, you you brought up a good point where like so the funny thing is like that's actually historically inaccurate what happened in the movie you're like oh wow of all the things mm. so one, one thing um that is a um unexpected similarity between the movies yes is uh the great escape at the end <clears throat> part of what's so tragic is not just that these people died but that it's like well was it worth it right to try to escape and then have 50 of our people die right is that worth whatever amount of inconvenience we gave them right because it's literally 50 lives and this and that's a lot of the debate that happens in the 17 minute scene yes. between Bobby Sands and the priest of like, you're just throwing your life away. Right. This isn't worth it. You're not, and it's not just your life. You're going to get all these other men killed, blah, blah, blah. blah. And he's like, no, it's important. And both of these are th moments that historically, even you could debate, was it worth it? Right. I mean, They're both noble causes, but the 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 cost, and then the eventual reward. But like, if you think about it, these people that 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 spent half a decade smearing shit on the wall, right, in order to try to get these concessions to have some more rights. It's like, well, they could have. Not that I'm saying that they should have, but if you like, you you could you could yeah, think like of it in terms experiment. of you could think of it in terms of like. Well, if they had just been com more comfortable in that time and never got these rights, like on average, their life would have been about the same. Right. But they're, but I mean, they're doing it. They're doing it for future prisoners. Exactly. So, so it's like it's noble and it's worth doing. But like, like I could see someone watching that movie being kind of ignorant and then thinking, well, that was why did they do that? Right. You know? They're like, and, how the, and the same thing about The Great Escape, where it's like. 
Oh, you you made them drive around in their cars for a while and then uh, debate about whether they're going to kill you, and that was worth it for your life? Right. For, like, the, the amount of detail that they worked on. Because, like, you saw the guy, like, make a uniform. You saw people, like, mm. practicing, you know, German, practicing French, like, all oh, this uh, stuff. Like, stealing a German soldier's, like, travel papers and ID. Yeah from his wallet and then having a dozen people spend weeks forging papers for everyone else. Right. Like it's, it's part, it, it's one of those movies where part of the fun is in seeing people be good at like these, like th- these like really specific things, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, that's like a thing. Um, like, and I've noticed about, like, certain TV shows, it's like, like, Mad Men or whatever. It's like, oh, the fact that he's so good at, like, being an advertising person. In the beginning. Yeah. Um, or, like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw Unreal. I don't um, think so. It's, it's about, uh, it's, like, behind the scenes at, like, a show that's, like, The Bachelor. Oh, okay. And just, like, the the producers and how good they are at manipulating the contestants. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's, it's really fun watching someone be really fucking good at a thing um and then and then there's there's an element of like um kind of like a heist movie or a like con man movie yes where where they're where they're tricking the soldiers into getting the tools they need and stuff like that um that scene where where he puts out all the chocolate and all the like snacks and stuff that he has in front of the German guy that had just been talking about how they just get shitty food all the time. Yeah. Uh, is very funny. It's Yeah. I mean, like, because he's just like, wait a second. These are the prisoners, and they're getting better treatment than me. Like, you're like, okay, we're chipping away at him. We're chipping away. And, the, like, and he exploits that relationship when he steals his ID from him and then returns it. And he gets a little something else from him. And you're like, you know, it's... When well, you're he's, talking he's about steal, he steals it and then implies the guy's gonna get in trouble for losing it he's in get, order to like get something out of him. Not just then, get like, in trouble, get shipped to the Russian front, you know, oh, yeah. where you're going to <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah, and then he like yeah, no, it's 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 very good. What I appreciated when you're like, oh, you know, watching someone who's really good, I'm like, yeah, Peter Falk and Columbo, where he's like, he always gets them with that last thing, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, but still good television. It's just not the same mm-hmm. level. Uh, okay, so what more do you think we should discuss before we move on to the categories? Because I think we've hit a lot of good stuff. Um, I like that you. I've like, got a couple more similarities, but what were you about I, to say? No, that's my favorite part. Is like uh, ostensibly, I'm like, oh, Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen, perfect. And mm-hmm. then we're like, oh, prison movies. That you know, that's a nice. Mm-hmm thing and then you're like oh wow they're both based on real life oh this like it's i I love when all that stuff comes together what else do you have for us well before i get into similarities um because it's related to this what did you think about the portrayal of the guard that is focused on in uh hunger so the guy that that's like nursing his knuckles because they're bleeding and he looks miserable all the time yeah um checking his car for a bomb they did a, a really good job of starting the movie with... Not where you expected. Well, it not, especially, like, you, you find out that that's not actually where the movie begins. Like, 
the, mm-hmm. or the timeline of the movie. And so, like, it's so easy to sympathize with someone when you, like, the camera follows them. So you're just like, oh, they must be important. I, I want to see the world through their eyes. And you, like, instantly start to sympathize with them. And then you just find out, you're like, holy cow. What's, like, I, I thought... I, I appreciated that portrayal better than like the scared young guy who and like they then they like cut to him like the guy with dark hair who's one of the riot police who like oh yeah he's the one who starts screaming and then they cut to like all the beatings and then him crying like almost juxtaposed like on the other side of a wall like I just appreciated how subtle the like prison guard portrayal was and then like Mm. him just getting you know he goes to visit his uh, like his mother or grandmother or whatever yeah who's like who is mute or like i don't know if she had a stroke or something and then he just gets like murdered by a shot in the head like by a guy who like leaves with a smug grin on his face and you're just like oh my god like it's so the connection the connection i made between that and the great escape yeah, was at the end of the Great Escape, and I guess you, I think it's supposed to be yeah, the SS mm-hmm. or the or the um, what are the fuck it's called? The Gestapo. Um, the Gestapo. One or the other is basically taking over the operation. Yeah, and they're taking out the guy from the Luftwaffe. And, right. Um, which is it was interesting to me that it was uh, an Air Force guy, but whatever. That's I, just. I think it's because they were pilots. Oh, that totally makes sense I then. Think. Yeah. And like they actually said that like it's a special kind of camp because it was of like officers instead of mm. enlisted men. I think like I, I that I'm makes not sense. a war historian so I don't know all the facts, but like that's they made a point of that when I was doing some of my research. Yeah. So it was they the guy that had always been kind of nice to them relatively, the other was in charge, like of the camp, he was at least nicer than the SS and Gestapo people right. wanted to be to them. Yes, and so he loses his job, and I think you're supposed to be like, "Oh no!" Now things are, in the end, more ominous for right. the people. But it almost felt like they were playing like you're supposed to be slightly sympathetic for this guy. Yes, and I'm like, he's a Nazi. Fuck him. Right. The same way that, and I said to Liz, I was like, the same way that when that guard got shot in the head, I'm like, you signed up to be a prison guard under Maggie Thatcher in Northern Ireland. No. Uh, it, I have I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> it, it wasn't so much that he signed up for it, because you're like, hey, maybe he was, you know, he was already doing 10 years, and this lady comes in, and he doesn't want to quit his job. But, like, oh, yeah. the fact that he was so, he was, like, so cruel, like, yeah, a guy spit well, on him, I feel like, I and feel then like he, he punched him in the face. Like that's not a that's not equivalent mm. reaction towards someone spitting I feel like on you. He was portrayed as I think this was supposed to be a nod at the ways in which the resistance sometimes um, hurt their own cause. Where mm. like that guy seemed so miserable, like yeah. they had gotten through to that guy, yeah. and he was less joyful about the beatings and all. Like everyone else, all the other guards seemed to be friends, and he seemed to not really like the rest of them. Yes, that's a big point. Um, which does not mean that he is not punching people in the face. Right. Clearly, he is. He's nursing his wounds in his hand, which right. I don't know why they don't have gloves. Because uh, they probably didn't think he was going to be punching steel or like rocks, but he yeah. felt like it, so he did. Yeah, but so it was, it's 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 like 
maybe supposed to be like, hey, you're almost supposed to be like, it was dumb of them to kill this guy. But instead, I was just like, man, fuck that guy. Ha, yes, good. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think they do a good job of like, it, it's just also just like, holy crap. Like, this is, it, I think it would have been different if they had shown just like that to start with and then worked backwards, you know? Oh yeah, because no, I think it was it, the way they did it was really good. It, oh no, it, I think it did so add balance sense. to it, even though I do not sympathize with the guy at all. I it made me think more than I would have. You know what? I think if they would have shown like the, I empathized, but I didn't sympathize. I think they would have done a better job of like the physician who was watching him, mm-hmm. um, who worked for the government or for the government. He worked for the prison. Uh, mm. If they watch, if they'd shown him gotten murdered in front of his like paralytic mother, that would have been different because like we don't really see him do anything but try and care for him. And but then, I don't think they, I don't think the IRA in real life was targeting like medics rando, or randos. They, they definitely did. They killed a certain amount of prison guards, right? Over the over those years, yeah. So you're um, saying that I shouldn't just fabricate stuff for narrative purposes. I should well, stick should, to the you content. Shouldn't, you shouldn't when it makes it slightly less interesting. You're like, <laughs> like, oh, I would, I would understand it more this way. I was like, well, yeah, it's supposed to be jarring. Um, <laughs> but no, but the other thing um, that I was saying to Liz related to this was, oh, so they have they have a couple times recordings of Margaret Thatcher. Yes giving speeches about this stuff yes and i think i literally paused the movie and i said i can't think of any better way yeah. to get me to um sympathize with the main characters of a movie than to play a clip of margaret thatcher or ronald <laughs> reagan talking shit on them like <laughs> the thing is like, there's I'm so much ample on board there's so much ample like material for you to to cut from like out of context or in context you're just like wait a second what trickle yeah. down what if people buy more boats the poor won't be poor that doesn't make sense yeah so like leah like the the clips of margaret thatcher talking about how she's not gonna ever recognize them as political prisoners because they're not they're just common murderers yeah it's it's the same as in glorious bastards when uh it cuts to hitler getting really mad that they could <laughs> uh I, yeah to to that point where it's just like when you have just seen this like poignant like spiritual debate between two people Mm -hmm. and you effectively the priest has to like like he has lost the argument to you know whether like uh like he has changed his mind or not he knows that he's not going to convince bobby sands oh yeah and then like and then you hear the clip of margaret thatcher saying well, the men of violence have decided to do the only thing they can do now and hurt themselves. You're just like, oh my god, I, she's the worst. Like, you well, know, it's like I thought that yeah, was the most heavy-handed the narrative point. The clip at the beginning was yeah. like, like, she, oh, she's horrible. I don't yeah. even remember what, it was, what she said, but then that one, I was like, that's her famous like. There uh, are no such thing as political pr- prisoners. They're only criminal prisoners, or something to that effect. Oh, she she said that that well, I think she said that there's such a thing as political prisoners and this, these are not them. Oh, these are, okay. These are just criminals. I mean, because they're her own citizens. Like yeah. it's 
it's like oh off in in other lands yeah. i mean she wouldn't give apartheid as an example because i'm sure she was pro apartheid because that Cause was it worked for her turned. yeah because that was before the tide turned yeah um but yeah um one thing um, i didn't particularly like i thought it was like he had to keep it in but one thing i thought made the prisoner slightly less sympathetic was like when they got the shitty clothes, the guards laughed at them and then they freaked the hell out. I'm like, like guys, it's I, like, and that's, I think oh. they didn't, I, I wasn't sold on, I, I didn't get enough narrative to understand why this was so humiliating where it's just like, Hey, we got these shitty clothes and the, mm. the guards who literally beat us are laughing at us. Like I, that wasn't enough for me to be, to understand why they I, flipped out but i think that's I just think like it might, i think it might have had context some to do, for me. well i thought they flipped out and destroyed their clothes no they destroyed their whole room and then they got then the riot police oh. came in and made them run the gauntlet. oh it's, be, it's because they it's because i i, I interpreted that and i yeah. might be wrong as they took them out of their dirty rooms they mm -hmm. put them in a room with beds and all that like yeah. they have the clothing so they're no longer naked they're no longer shit smeared everywhere it's like we've won you have given in and then they freak out and they just destroy the beds they basically turn the room into as bad as the old room and that's another thing is like narratively speaking i couldn't tell like did they start out in good rooms and then they descended into the shit ones or like because that's the thing is like the movie doesn't it doesn't explain anything. Right. Well, it's, and it's not interested in that. It's it's more just like, this is a story about these people. And, like, that was the whole thing with, like, they made a good point. The main character, not just Michael Fassbender, but, like, the main character of the Hunger Strike, Bobby Sands, mm. is you don't see him for a chunk of time. And oh, yeah, then when that's you... something that Liz didn't really like about the movie that it was about these two other characters and then all of a sudden he shows up and the second half is about him and that's the i, I think, thought was interesting but yeah. i could see why someone would not like that well i think it's uh i i don't know what i didn't read enough where like i'm sure because steve mcqueen is a like a legitimate artist and the, the fact that like he created art before he started doing movies and i'm not going to get into mm -hmm. the art isn't or movies aren't art or whatever but like the I think he's probably the kind of person who isn't just going to tell you this is why I did this in this movie. It's supposed to make you think this. Like he, there's no way he's going to do that. So my interpretation mm -hmm. is like the the title is kind of telling. Like it's not called Bobby Sands and the Hunger Strike or the IRA fights for political. You know. Yeah. It, it's called Hunger, and it's like you see these different people, and they're exhibiting like hunger in there like the you know the the guard is he he goes to work he hates his job what is like he is missing something he is hungry for companionship he's like trying to make sense of this job he's mm. trying to like get attention from his mother like and then he's murdered and then it's like the two guys who aren't the leaders in the ira they're like foot soldiers and like, well, you see them for a while before you see him get murdered Right, because that kind of he's, yeah, it he's kind of also understands why on them. yeah, why like why the IRA would do that in the first place because like you said they weren't just mm -hmm. targeting randos, so I don't know it was 
so like you said, I I thought it was more interesting than frustrating that we didn't see Michael Fassbender mm-hmm. until whenever in the movie. So yeah, it 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 is a little weird. It's it's like like in um the Great Escape, they they condensed um, characters and timelines and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like if this movie had done that, it would have been him coming in and being introduced to, you know, as the new prisoner. Like, Mm -hmm. because we see the new prisoner, Mm -hmm. and then we would see him, I guess, initiate the hunger strike. But the thing is, in real life, I think he was a leader because he'd been in there so long. Yeah. He'd been there from the beginning. So, like, the idea of him leading it and him. Because it does make sense that they introduce a new prisoner coming in, right? Giving up his right to close because he chose to, getting in there, smearing shit on the wall, right? Doing this and that and the other, um. Yeah, it's this. I I didn't think about this when Liz and I were talking about it, but like now that I think about it, it totally makes sense that they had the two different characters. It just is a little weird that. It's a good thirty minutes before you see Michael Fassbender, and yeah. it's a, like and it's like an eighty-seven minute long movie. Yeah, like it's or like ninety-three or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 clearly like an intentional choice, and it blows you away that like, and it's not one of those movies where it's like, hey, we've got you know Steve Buscemi in it, and he's just like in it for like five seconds or whatever. Steve Buscemi's mm. a bad example. Or it'd be like, <laughs> you know, they're like, we got this famous. This super famous. Oh, it's person. like Nicholas like... Cage will be in five movies in a year, and in two of them, he's in like three scenes. Exactly. So it's like yeah. it's definitely not that which you very much mm. find out, but it. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where. Did you ever hear about uh, Jack Nicholson in Chinatown? Where like the he was so many people were offered the like lead role, but mm-hmm. so many of the like lead actors of the day are like, you want me to wear a nose like bandage for like 85% of the movie? They're like, but I'm handsome. And the <laughs> Roman Polanski, uh, you know, criminal that he is very good director. Yeah. And he's just like, no, we're going to like, this is going to be a film noir where like the lead guy is like, like tough, like he gets fucked up, roughed yeah. up. Like that's the whole point. And nobody took it. And Jack Nicholson took it. And it's like, you know, one of the greatest roles he ever did. So it's just crazy mm-hmm. how like famous people would rather like, they think about their star power instead of like the movie. And I'm really glad that Michael Fassbender decided to destroy his body for this movie. Cause it was, he did incredible. Oh yeah. I was just blown away. I'm like, this guy played Magneto later. Like that sucks. Like he should only be in good <laughs> movies. And he wasn't even the good Magneto. Like he, <laughs> Ian McKellen got to be the good Magneto. He got to be the, I mean, like, James McAvoy th- Magneto. That sucks. I mean, they both did really well. Um, But, yeah. No, I agree. But, I don't know. But, I, I had uh, newfound respect for Michael Fassbender. Not that he needed it from me, but he has definitely won it from me. So. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other things that I wanted to talk about these two movies. Um, nope. I'm looking at my notes, and I had written Maggie Thatcher and Guard Sympathy. Uh, <laughs> no, she's like just hearing her voice. 
you're like, uh, she's the bad guy here, obviously. Like, and that's the thing is like, that's why she's like pitting these two groups against each other that it, like, we saw in The Great Escape, just because you're a jailer and you're a prisoner doesn't necessarily mean you have to like be at odds necessarily because you're yeah. both, vic- you know, you're both victims of something greater and mm-hmm. bad news, man. When it, whenever the, whenever the police were using the clubs to like rhythmically like oh my god like i was like i was like oh i have been to protests yeah. where police have fucking done that uh <laughs> and um it's a tactic man they don't, they don't do it on accident it's like they, they train for that so mm. yeah messed up yeah and then and then also thinking back on this movie right like right now yeah. As Israel is like blowing up buildings in Palestine, I'm like, oh, like you could, you could, I got, there are definitely people that like they think of the IRA, you know, they 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 grew like there's a guy that I taught English with, or, or I didn't teach with him, but like he taught at a different school when I was in China, mm-hmm. and he and he was from London originally, uh, and we were hanging out with him, and uh, I, I had mentioned how there was a drink in America called an Irish car bomb. And he was like, that is the most offensive thing I've ever heard because you know, he, he, he was growing up in London as yeah. you know, cars are blown up. And yeah. People are dying. Yeah. He, like knew like people who lost family members. And it's like, I could see coming from that perspective and being like, these people suck. You have enough freedom, you know, yeah. in Northern Ireland, do you really need to break off and have your own country? Blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, Oh, then you read about like, israel and palestine and you're like oh these are i picked a weirdly timely movie if you think about it yeah no i think they're they're about similar conflicts kind of i mean not not really but similar i think that's the like the most frustrating part about like historical uh films that like take a look at you know whether it's uh power differential and like the you know abuse of power or like like people being turned against each other for like by people who are above them. And like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and Steve McQueen actually mentions, he's like, you know, this, I, I watched, you know, news stories about this when I was a child and it made such an impact on me that I wanted to make a film about it, you know, two decades later. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and it just so happens that like in the news right now, cause it was 2008. He's like, we see stuff about Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib. So it's just like, even though time has passed, this stuff is still happening all around you. And you're like, you know, yeah. the faces might change, but it's the same stuff. And it's so like, it's just like you said, like how much is it worth it? That these like 10, these 10 men die in this hunger strike. And like, yes, they won themselves some political victories, but like it's happening, like you said, across the world right now. And you're like, how are we not paying attention to this? And you're like, because it's kind of, you kind of have to like, People weren't paying attention to it then, too, because it's so hard to, like, you know, get an accurate depiction of it. Like, this came, oh, yeah. you know, just about 30 years later, and you're like, oh, goddamn. Like, this was happening in, like, the civilized world? So, I don't know. Mm. But either, like... Well, it's like... It's like yeah, it's tough. In the, the years that, like, the Americans, the TV show takes place, mm-hmm. for an example, it's like... Oh, like everyone nowadays, when you hear apartheid, you hear South African apartheid, and you hear you know Nelson Mandela and all that, like you think, oh, everyone in the world was against that, and it's like, well, no, for a while it was just 
kids on college campuses. Like, yeah. It was like most people didn't think about it or give a shit. Right. Or were like, why should I care? Right. You know? And so I feel like every, you know, conflict kind of yeah. is like that for a while. It se- Yeah, it seems like it goes in those cycles, but just the same terrible shit's happening to people who are mm. like, shouldn't we know better by now? So... Um, I think this is a good time. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a second with four uh, criteria to judge these prison Steve McQueen based on a true story uh, movie song. Uh, We are back. It is time for us to discuss the four criteria we are going to use to break down which of these uh, Steve McQueen prison movies was the best of the Steve McQueen prison movies. Um, I just want to point out, this is not which movie is better, because that's not the point of the podcast. It's which of these was a better Steve McQueen prison movie. Uh, Because uh, Jeremy and I have both agreed, and I think like uh, thousands of other viewers and critics, that both of these movies are worth your time. Um, Mm -hmm. They are not an obvious waste of time. Like uh, Gabriel Iglesias, Gabriel Iglesias's stand up. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, or um, what did we do? The Notebook. The Notebook sucked so bad. Yeah, but uh, Mini Moskowitz was great. It's Th- this is the first one where I like them both. Yeah, I think talking about Mini and Moskowitz and The Notebook as both romance movies is similar to saying both of these are prison movies, where like one takes a hard like realistic standpoint and just shows you like the bare bones and like difficulties of something. And the other one's like, uh, you know, love can be hard sometimes, you know, like, but don't worry. We're going to like whistle while we work, you know, (laughs) it's like, well, I I think, I think that that makes sense. But Minnie Moskowitz felt like it was making fun of the idea of, and that's because they played everything straight. And that's the well, they, you put, know. they put it straight, but they also made it like stupid on purpose. Yeah, because and as because bad it is as stupid possible. You know, and then and then how many years later the Notebook comes out and it's like, oh, this is a stalker, and they and they ignore that. And that no, that's uh, so it's it was, the same. It was like, it was like well, like it's, like I, I I think it was it was a movie that was making fun of the other movie without knowing it existed, whereas these are like just going for different things i think they're just very different approaches yeah oh okay so uh we're gonna start with rewatchability we always talk about this uh when we watch films and it's not necessarily like i want to point out it's not what movie was the better movie or which movie got more accolades um which movie deserves you know a criterion collection uh, nominee, it's which movie would you sit down and rewatch all the way through again? Jeremy, do you want to weigh in on this one? I think, even though it is very long, I think my answer is probably going to be The Great Escape because there's so much comedy in there. Um, and also because um, Hunger, it doesn't quite fall into the category like, um, Let's say Requiem for a Dream. That's everyone's first go-to. Is or for a dream. or um, like Raging Bull. Right. Or like it's not quite as punishing as or, like some. Sometimes you watch a movie, you're like, that's one of the best movies that I've ever seen. 
I am not going to watch it for a good 10 or 15 years yes. because that was painful. Yeah. But it's like, it's like that, ki- it's that kind of movie. Um, it's definitely one I would recommend to people, maybe right. even bef- above Great Escape because everyone's heard of Great Escape. Um, and because it's more overlooked, but in terms of me personally sitting down and watching it again, like I could see, cause I mentioned watching the great escape to my parents and they were like, Oh, we've watched that in forever. And it's like, Oh, I would sit down and watch this with my parents. Mm-hmm. I would not be like, you know what you guys are like, just knowing their taste. I would not recommend hunger. <laughs> Here, Do you want to see like adult men who are emaciated? completely naked on screen just like get their like fingers shoved both up their ass and then immediately in their mouth you're like no i don't want to see that mom that that reminds me of a thing that i was going to mention in the earlier segment is how cool the them uh composing transmitting and receiving little Mm -hmm. messages like messages and stuff is really cool and it's as cool as all the tricks they do in Great Escape. Um, just, just as an aside, I want to mention that. No, I think that's the whole thing is, like, it's interesting to see, like... Because you're like, oh, he got a radio in the in there. Like, that, that's interesting. You're like, no, like, she had to shove it up her vagina. And then he had to, like, pre-rip his pants and then shove it up his ass. Just yeah. so he could get a radio. You're like, oh, it's like, that's not nearly as, like funny as like oh i'm gonna you know i'm gonna bake you a file in the cake and you're gonna get your way out of here it's like no people had to be like like yeah. it is gr- you have to be gross you have to like think that like your body is the only tool you have how are you gonna use it to escape yeah it's it's very impressive and cool and the kind of thing that i want other people to see but not necessarily what i um anytime in the next year or two would so I, I think again. I think a good litmus test is like we just went to the or you just rented out the Arkadin outdoor theater. Oh yes. Uh, I, I would not watch Hunger on that. You know, it's just not it's not a crowd pleaser. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's not important and good. And no, it's it's very good. It's I, both I, of those. I, I probably would watch it again, mm-hmm. but not as much as I would watch. I know this is the Great Escape. This is somewhat hyperbole, but somewhat accurate. Like both movies felt the same length even though one was <laughs> legitimately half. And that's the thing. That's what, like, good, like, he wanted you to make it painful for the viewer. Like, even, like, the literal him dying from hunger was probably seven minutes of film. But it felt like half of the movie, mm-hmm. you know? Because, like, he talks... It's more, it's more than seven, but it it's feel, not as long it as... Feels short. It feels short. It feels short. I mean, like... I knew it was long, but like I'm like, there's not much left on the film. Oh so. yeah, yeah. So I of course uh, also picked Great Escape. I think one thing that I got out of it from rewatching it was that it was a Hollywood movie about World War II, where there's not a clear happy ending, like all of like you see Steve McQueen go back in the cooler at the end and you know they and that is a happy thing that happens relative to what happens to everyone else yeah and that's the, and like they're like who and you don't get to see the the three people enjoying their freedom you know like that's mm. 
I thought, and they don't say like, oh, and then it was liberated, you know, within a month or something. It's just like this movie is dedicated to the fifty people who were murdered. And you're like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. so and one even of the though... guys, it's, he didn't escape to Switzerland. He, he escaped into Spain. Yeah, which is like Franco's right fascist Spain. <laughs> I'm sure they were letting yeah. Americans' troops out if they got there, but out of the pan into the fire, sort of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. But I think that's, and you know, that's the whole thing is like uh, that's why rewatching it, I got a little bit more out of it. It's because mm. I was ex- going in expecting it because, like, when you're watching the Steve McQueen bike chase and then he makes the final jump, he doesn't make it. Like that's <laughs> that's the crazy thing is like he mm-hmm. doesn't get to escape. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the motorcycle chase in Triple X, you know. Oh, God. This would just be such a different movie. He's like, why don't you guys try this first? You're like, oh. And I think, uh, okay, I think it's ready for, we're ready for the next category. Which one is more true to reality? Because there's a scene when Steve McQueen legitimately just, like, decides to break out. Because the Irish guy gets, uh, he gets recaught and, like, is suffering from trauma and like back then they're just mm. like oh it's he's starting to crack you're like no <laughs> like he's having ptsd and like his brain is not functioning correctly but yeah. uh he just like he has he's stolen some um wire cutters he goes at the dead of night when um there's a new moon so it's completely dark he knows exactly where to go he cuts himself out immediately and then like that that's it. You're like, oh, that's that's bullshit. But then like he, <laughs> but that seems pretty like from the historical standpoint. Apparently that stuff happened a lot in the camps, and like he was you know, he intentionally got caught so that he could you know find out the lay yeah. of the land. Uh, we they, find out they, narratively. They did establish that that was a design flaw in the camp. I don't know if it was in real life, but just that it was like, well, if they don't see you get there, they cannot. The two guard towers won't see you because they, right? There's a dead end or yeah, dead space. A... Yeah. So like, no. even though that felt inauthentic, apparently that happened all the time. So that's crazy. It's, it's, it was really. There was a really funny scene where Steve McQueen's character and the tiny little guy that was mm-hmm. like a jockey in yeah. Scotland, yeah, are explaining how they're going to escape by dig digging and pushing the dirt behind themselves to each other mm-hmm. and then sticking a spike Straw, up yeah. to make to make like an air hole yeah and they're like you know that's so dumb it might work and then they get caught immediately yeah and they're covered in dirt and yeah. it's it's very funny but it's also really sad because that's like almost that guy's breaking point yeah <laughs> he kills himself very soon <laughs> yeah like death by guard uh so i think which true to reality I mean, like, I have to give it to, like, Hunger, because... Yeah. Like, uh, so Michael Fassbender, according to Roger Ebert's website, I I couldn't find all the facts, but, like, he had Mm -hmm. one of the facts where, like... So, Michael Fassbender was 170 pounds, he went down to 132 pounds, was getting medical checks frequently, and then he said that... So, you mentioned... Oh, this might have been... We weren't recording yet. So... He uh, was starving himself. He was eating cal- 900 calories a day or something like that. Yeah. And so, like you said, he was eating berries and nuts and sardines. Um, he also said that, so he was doing like 
exercise too to lose weight. So he was skipping everywhere, doing yoga. He'd walk four and a half miles. And then he said he was having difficulty sleeping and he stopped seeing friends. So like this is one of those like method things like Daniel Day Lewis like became, you know, Butcher Bill sort of thing. Where it's like uh he because he was doing this stuff to his body, he was like it was changing his personality. And I think we see in the movie like uh, so much of like it felt authentic like the mm-hmm. uh, the decrepitness the like depravity that these men were putting themselves through when and, you like, said he got down to 130 something pounds i looked up his height he's six foot tall oh my god uh not because i was i was he seems like he could even be taller mm-hmm. so i was like man if he's taller than i am and he got down to 130 i mean i can't imagine me getting down to 130 that would be you'd be a skeleton man that's the whole thing i mean i'm six foot tall I look at pictures of me when I was living in China and I was only like 170 or 175 mm-hmm. or whatever because yeah. probably like 170 because, you know, I just walked everywhere. Yeah, and, you're fit. Yeah. And uh, just compared to my face now, my face then, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like, it's like ga- not, not quite ghastly. <laughs> it did look bad. Skeletor esque, maybe. But just compared to now, I'm yeah. like, that's a bony face. Yeah. Mine and then, and then ima- subtract imagine losing 40, pounds. 40 more pounds. Yeah. And so, and I think there's, so there's a scene when, um, they send a guy in, in effectively in a 1980s hazmat suit and he's power washing the shit off the walls. Like, oh, that's such a good scene. And it doesn't immediately turn white. (laughs) You're just like, oh my, like it was, the word I would use is visceral. Like, it's very good. They, they, the effect that the film without smell vision has on <laughs> on your senses is such that like i can't it it's very real to me one thing that one thing i really appreciate about that movie is that they because they don't explain anything mm-hmm. you go from kind of thinking oh my god they put them in these horrible conditions right and then you realize oh wait the prisoners are creating these right because horrible conditions cause as when a the... protest because it's like hey yeah we're gonna die from terrible conditions in your prison and that's gonna make you look bad and that also makes all your guards miserable it's like mm-hmm. man you have to really want something because <laughs> when you see the guy say i refuse to wear prisoner clothing and then the guy mm-hmm. then the uh orderly or whoever's uh doing the intake writes down is it non oh non-conforming prisoner that's or something like non-conform- that. yeah that's and right and then he takes his clothes off i thought he was doing it because the guy implied on. it i thought the guy was telling like because he wrote that down he's like oh i better start to conform but he that's part of the protest is that he's going to be naked and i'm like oh mm-hmm. and then he shows up and this other guy is a hairy mess like under a blanket which that's why they called it like the blanket protest is they cut like they would clothe themselves and the blankets they had like and everything is disgusting you're like oh man this prison is really bad and like you said then then there's a clip of like i think he's eating like some of the food and then he he stops eating it and like shovels it into the pile 
cut they, to. They eat, they eat what they eat, and then the the corners or whatever of stuff mm-hmm. they just dump into mm-hmm. a pile that's yeah. got like flies around it in the corner of the room. Yeah, and then they scoop it and smear it on the wall, and you're God like, "Damn it! Oh, okay, uh, so gross." So yeah, because made for based on based on a real story. Mm-hmm. I almost said made for TV, which is not because <laughs> based on <laughs> based on a real story is uh one of the things in common yes that is definitely more realistic uh even even if all those characters were basically fabricated the conversations are fabricated like the great escape they 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 go to a lot of ends to incorporate real things it just doesn't feel as real yeah and i think that's Maybe that's just, like, because we're more cynical now as, like, viewers, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and again, because, like, well, I'm, I'm not actually a World War II scholar, but it everything about, like, oh, a, a German, a Nazi prisoner of war camp doesn't seem like a place where people would have this sort of time where they were, like, where... You well, know, the whole they point would have is bunk they had beds. Time. It's like, hey, yeah. just behave and yeah, well, like well, they it's, let it's, them have tools. Part, part of it, part of it is is they remove so much wood from those buildings, and I know that's what they do in real life. <laughs> they remove so much wood to brace the tunnels. Yeah, lumber and it's being and, utilized, and then and then the amount of dirt that they have to get rid of, and then they have these devices where everyone can dump like a few handfuls of dirt at a time right. outside. And then they also stored some of the dirt up in the rafters over one of the buildings. Yeah. And it's like, this is like many tons of dirt. Because they went like, they tunneled like 30 or 40 feet yeah. forward. And like 8 feet down and then 8 oh, yeah. feet up. No, it's not 8 feet down. It was 30 feet down. Oh my god. Or some crazy amount yeah. down. Yeah, it's... And they had three tunnels going. Right. Simultaneously. Yeah. They said so, there was actually going to... They started work on a fourth named George, too, in real life. But they didn't want to do do that in the movie. Oh, yeah. That would have been... Oh, speaking of real life. So, the um, the author, uh, Paul Brickhill, you, you asked about him earlier. So, he was um, the Charles Bronson character, like is mm-hmm. somewhat based on the author. He uh, was a minor in real life and uh, suffered from claustrophobia. But oh! He, he is also one of the... Um, so he was originally... Ju- it says he was originally just going to be a stooge lookout, but then he volunteered to work as a digger on the Tom Tunnel, and then he developed claustrophobia and as a result eventually resigned and put in charge of security for the forgers. In real life, so. so, so that that actually, even though it's based on real life, mm-hmm. as I just learned, is one of the less believable things in the movie. All of a sudden, the guy that's the expert, yeah, in tunnels, yeah, it's like it's like, I don't think I can go. I don't think, and it's like, wait, but it wasn't like a gradual thing. It was all of a sudden he's freaked out, and his friend has to be like, no, I'll help you through. Yeah, and, and so s- he's this like really afraid, claustrophobic guy. When for two hours of this movie he was Mr. Tunnel Expert, right? 
And so here's here's what happened in real life to the the author who had claustrophobia. As a result, he was reassigned uh, because of his claustrophobia and the risk that he would panic and block the escape of others behind him. Parenthetical, mm-hmm. that's what happens in the movie. Um, he was not allowed to take part in the mass escape attempt. So he just stayed there. So okay. in real life, a person who had the same thing that happened to the one of the main Hollywood roles, Charles Bronson, instead mm. of him you know, being talked down and escaping... He did not get to participate in the thing that caused his claustrophobia, which was helping dig this tunnel. Which is like, oh, God. See, that's what I think of when I think realistic is like, God, that's tragic. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, my God. Well, it's tragic, but then also he ends up not dying. You you're know. Not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, yeah. not, like, like, as much as he would want to escape, yeah. he helped other people escape, and then he also didn't get shot. So right. That's a good point. So it's yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that that movie, not as realistic as the one that is goes out of its way to be extremely realistic. Okay, and then uh, moving on to our next one, uh, I combined two of your ideas because uh, huh, connection they they make a lot of sense together. So mm. you said which one was less dismissively silly, and then about like politics making sense. So which one? Because both of them have a. Uh, I want to say hot button uh, background content, but it's just like mm-hmm. they are charged, I think is a fair way to put it. Like when you talk about like World War Two, so many bullshit things are just like, hey, we're going to be set in like a concentration camp. You're like, why do you need to bring up this trauma? They're like, oh, we're telling a love story. You're like, no. No, you're not. It's just like <laughs> you just ran out of ideas and you're trying to cash in. And it's like, and uh, so Steve McQueen is British, so like him doing anything with the IRA is going to be a very political thing, even though he does an incredible job of trying to be, I wouldn't say apolitical, I would try to say he's being non-political. Like he doesn't, I like you said, he doesn't try to make anybody specifically sympathetic, except... Well, no, I, I think... He doesn't go out. He doesn't make anybody a Steve McQueen uh, cooler king. Oh yeah, he doesn't want to make him like seem cool. But like, mm-hmm. I do think he makes the IRA come out as heroic. I think he makes Bobby Sands he, look um, like a leader. Uh, yeah, and he and he. I think he. I think. Okay, I, I think I finally found the words for it. I think he effectively makes the audience empathize mm-hmm. with the guard yes but not sympathize with him right so like so like i think you still your sympathy comes around to be like squarely on bobby sands and the other protesters yes even though you're able to empathize with people on both sides um but i do think it is still politically pro the protest mm-hmm. um I think I think the end would be per, per, portrayed differently if they're trying to show. I like I, I think you would you would see his parents more than the one time if they were trying to be like this was dumb. Mm. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's hard to like like when he's getting all the bed sores and coughing up blood. Oh yeah, you're just like uh, like you at that point you're just like. I hope the movie ends soon with him 
like with him winning and then you're just like nope he died and yeah. they weren't they were never considered anything but prisoners but they got a lot of their stuff and you're just like and then it like your brain immediately goes to what you said it's like well was it worth it and you're like oh goddamn, this is a good movie it's making mm. me like i don't have an ending because this is what happened in real life you're like oh that's yeah that's really good one thing one thing that the the end sequence with him starving to death uh reminded me of even though i've never seen it mm -hmm. but just a, it was a thing that everyone talked about for so long is like uh um the passion of the christ almost dude i haven't seen where that either like, what what's where the point like, where it's like oh here is just here's just all the suffering yeah of it mm -hmm. um and it's just the suffering of it and that's almost to the movie's detriment because but, I think, but I think, but I think the the first two thirds is so interesting. Yeah, that I don't mind that that is what the last third is. Yes, and, and I, I think, don't know what the hell else they could do. But yeah, because a montage scene, which is what this was, but didn't feel like it. A montage would be other too stark. A difference for you to like yeah. not be able to believe it yeah or like i get like unintentionally comical you know like because mm -hmm. I, I brought i i don't know if i said this when we were recording or not but like when you think of like captain the captain america thing where it's like chris evans regular face that's digitally shrunk and tried to make smaller on like a regular tiny person's not tiny person he's just like a, a smaller thinner guy, guy like, yeah. it looks like complete shit and you mentioned that this was 2008 so they wanted to have had that good of green screens like it's so ineffective if you were to fake this but also like I, i'm not an artist or a an actor so i couldn't i would never want to do this for a movie but they like steve mcqueen was very upfront he said uh i thought michael fassbender did an awesome job but we made it very clear when you were when whoever was you know auditioning for this that i was going to make you starve yourself because you're portraying you know someone who Body died scenes. died yeah. from hunger strike so he's like which i thought was a really nice way to say like yeah, you guys are giving him a lot of praise, but like I'm he had to do this or I wouldn't have let him do the movie. <laughs> like <laughs> mm. So I thought that was crazy that uh someone would do this. But it makes a lot of sense. And I think that is why I wanna like reward it. Like not only is the content taken seriously, but like everybody involved takes it seriously, you know? Like mm. to the point where Yes. He you empathize with a guy who is beating a prisoner like there's no justification for that like but you empathize with him because you see him in his like kind of shitty house in his kind of shitty car checking to see if he's gonna die because somebody put a bomb under him and then he goes mm -hmm. to visit his like invalid well, mother I, and gets well, I, shot in the back of the head so i think that's I, very i don't think i don't think i would have empathized with him if they didn't like it was really clever to put that right at the beginning exactly like, almost like almost like and i was like wait is the movie gonna be focused on this guy and it was so long of like looking at him being miserable with his job mm -hmm. miserable with, and 
and I'm, I think it's partly because one thing that movies do really cleverly sometimes is use your expectations based on what you've seen before. Yes. To lead you down a way that, that they're not necessarily going to go. Right. So like, you're like, oh, okay, this guy's going to turn on his bosses. He's going to be the good guy. He's going to be someone that speaks out. He's going to do something. Because, like, that's always what happens. Right. And then it's like, nope, he he probably would have never done that. But even even so, he seemed to be the most sympathetic to the cause. I mean, not really sympathetic, just the most affected by the protest of the guards. And then he got shot in the head. And, uh... <laughs> Goodbye, and character. I, you can sort of see like the the through line where it's like, like oh, we're supposed to like side with the guard because like he, you know, mm-hmm. he's just doing his job. Like it he, felt like it was heading there, and then it didn't. He's the nice. like law and order person, and then you're like, oh, maybe we're supposed to side with the like prisoners because look at the deplorable conditions, and then you like understand that like between those two is like the leader it's like bobby sands like the person in like in charge who's trying to affect both sides and you're like oh okay so i don't know i thought they did a really good job of handling the the material in a respectable way like they handled something Mm -hmm. historical that happened dozens of years ago not like 20 years ago with in his own country, so it's something that affected him very yeah. personally. He handled it in a way that I'm like, oh, uh, you are doing it the best job of being objective about something that you can. That's like, you know, you say stuff about like, oh, a documentary is as objective as possible. You're like, no, you were talking about editing earlier. Like, that's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, critical uh, cuts make a serious impact on the viewer. <laughs> So what about you? Which one do you think did a better job of uh, making the politics make sense and not being dismissively silly? Um, I think... I mean, The Great Escape also did a good job at this. I think because um, it was tragic and like they, some of them died in the end. Right. And that it seemed to, in retrospect, have it doesn't. It's one of those things where it doesn't feel like that. That's where it's heading, and then yeah, when it happens, it's called the Great Escape, Jerry. Yeah. Why the Great Escape? And the music is so jaunty. Yeah, and so fun. And Steve McQueen was on a motorcycle. Every and single then, time he's been on a motorcycle, it's in a movie. You're talking about expectations. Every single time Steve McQueen did anything, he would be a badass at it. Yeah, and then he gets then, caught in a barbed wire fence. But then, when tragedy does happen at the end, you're like. Oh, it was all obviously always leading up to here. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, um, and I do still kind of feel like you're supposed to almost like I don't think they meant it, but it felt like you were supposed to be sympathetic for the guy in charge of the camp when he got sure. fired. Sure. Um, he was just being a good but, soldier, Jeremy. But it, it everyone that watches this movie, I assume it's like, fuck Nazis. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to feel sympathetic for that guy. Right. Um, but yet, I don't know. I think the other movie gave us 17 minutes of Bobby Sands not backing down from 
a largely sympathetic member of the Catholic Church right. being like, but 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 please don't do that. Right. Uh, but but no, but you're gonna get people killed. And had an answer for fucking everything. He told stories from his life. Yeah. Um, about when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. We 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 watched we watched these uh, a couple weeks ago. So it was um, like a cross country meet, and they went like they went from their like crowded town to a uh, like somewhat rural place, mm-hmm. and uh, like all the boys found like a a foal that had gotten hurt, and like it then it was like an allegory for what he was doing. Where it's like he, oh, had, to they, do, he had to do he, the hard thing. He had to thing. kill it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he had to do the hard thing, which he mm. knew was wrong, but ultimately right. And you're just like, oh, all right, man, goddamn, Michael Fassbender's so good at this. Yeah, as he's smoking his like fifth cigarette of this <laughs> continuous shot. Uh, no, at some point, at some point, he's like, "Can you just give me that pack?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "You're gonna, you're not gonna need this, right?" <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's. But, like, the priest, everything the priest says, like, makes sense. Yeah. I think, um, well, if you think about it, they do a better idea of making this seem like a complex issue mm-hmm. with, that isn't really, that, it, no, a clear-cut issue that has complexities in the how-to. Right. Um, whereas everyone was just on board for the plan in The Great Escape. And I think that's where I think that is where in judging the difference in this category has to come down to where it's like. And part of it's because they're military officers and everyone falls in line behind the guys in charge. Yes. But there's no dissent. They're like, we're doing this Um, because it's like, okay, clearly Margaret Thatcher is uh, a fascist. Right. Uh, uh, Northern Ireland should be part of Ireland. Etc. 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 Everyone knows that. I mean, I mean, dickheads don't. Uh, Nazis are bad. Uh, the this Allied just forces. In. The Allied forces are are better. Not great, but better. Uh, uh, everyone agrees. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I guess so. Where do I differentiate between these two? It comes down to the discussion of tactics, and one ha- shows nuance, and the other doesn't. And I think that's where I got to draw the line. That makes sense. If I had to pick. Uh, did not expect that to be my reasoning, although I did uh, suspect that maybe I would say hunger. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think hunger is more nuanced when it comes to this type of thing. Perfect. Um, even though I think they both are nuanced in terms of the, the repercussions. Yes. Surprisingly so. In, bo- in both ways, where you're just like, oh, this is a mm-hmm. movie. I expect the good guys to win. They're like, nope. <laughs> No, oh, no yeah. nobody yeah. wins. That that's that's why this was based on a true story. Nobody wins. Like, oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, last of all, uh, probably our toughest one because it's the uh, the most ephemeral. Which one was the most McQueeniest? Which one had Steve McQueen um, as sort of its spiritual anchor? Like, yes, Steve McQueen, the actor, was a lead. Yes, Steve McQueen, the director. Uh, had a vision it's not the same it's not a fair equivalency but like which movie depended on steve mcqueen the most um so 
Steve McQueen, biggest name, the one you associate with The Great Escape, even though Richard Attenborough is in it and um, other people that are great. I can't remember the names right now. Um, I mean, there's so yeah, there's Charles uh, Bronson, James Garner, Charles yeah. Bronson, Palanche, James Coburn. It's like so many people. Um, but then he's not really involved in the actual like plot to escape he's like kind of the decoy yeah because he's kind of doing his own thing so and and they're kind of like they're british almost all of them are british he's american yeah. and you know they reluctantly let him escape because they're like well if he's suspicious of none of us try to escape right um and he's in the cooler so often so his involvement is less than you would think I mean, less than I remembered, really. So, fun fact, uh, Steve McQueen read the script and threatened to walk out if they didn't make his role more uh, pivotal to the actual film. And the director was going to do it, because he's like, this is bullshit, you're an American, Uh, this is about British soldiers. The Americans helped, but they never escaped because all of the Americans were moved from the camp in real life. And apparently, like, dozens of Canadian soldiers from the Royal Canadian Flyers? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, was Canada the was British still... British Canadian Air Force, probably. Was Canada, like Canada was still part of Britain at this... Or the UK at yeah. this point. So, like... But they well, said... The, yeah. They said, uh, like, that was one thing missing in the story. I'm like, oh, yeah. All of... Canadians here, like they were still British at the time, so it's not quite the same. But they said that that was a big difference. Was like there was a Canadian regiment that helped with the digging a lot more than the Americans. Mm. Um, but anyway, like they're like the people at United Artists are like, you can't kick Steve McQueen out. That's the name that people recognize in America, and this yeah. is an American film, which grossed just the most money. Uh, they had a yeah. budget of four million. I think they made like the most money in 1963. I want to say like 12 million. So they 300 percent increased their output, which mm. just blew everyone away. So in a financial way, Steve McQueen was very important to The Great Escape. On the other side, Steve McQueen, the director, uh, had maybe. Like, what what would you say? Like, forty minutes of dialogue in an hour and a half long movie, and uh, but was still able to tell the story as effectively as he did. Well, yeah, like I I think of there was that shot. I think it's when the one guy's listening to the radio and the mm-hmm. other guy is just kind of playing with the like fucked up, broken like wiring. Mm-hmm. On the and not wiring like the the grate yes in the window and like the light is shining through and I'm like um but but also in it like that so like that's like a really beautiful shot there's like a lot of really like great cinematography things but then you can't just think of those as being oh the director it's like he co-wrote the script mm-hmm. um uh and is probably the reason that it got made so like. As much as the reason The Great Escape was able to succeed is Steve McQueen's fame, 
other Steve McQueen, not famous at all, wanting to make this movie, the movie wouldn't happen because it was his idea. I don't know if it was his idea, but it was it was. So yeah, I don't know. It's so it's, it's it was it's his such first a weird... movie, which is yeah. crazy. Like he'd made the... he'd made a bunch of short films in the nineties, apparently. Yes. Um. It's just and so th- crazy that this would be anybody's first movie. I, I I do think I do think watching people's first movies that they made is all, like at least first full length is always very interesting. Yes. In part because it's like oh if I want to be involved in making a movie, let's see what they were able to do with clearly like no budget and right. whatever. But then also it's like oh what is what is it's it's often an idea that someone's had for like a long time that they finally got to make. Right. Um, um, it's usually not the most of their sensibility because that's usually like once they have more mm-hmm. resources. So it's just, I, I don't really know how to put my, my finger on like how to explain it, but it's just, it's interesting watching like a uh, Joanna hog made a movie that I really liked two years ago called uh, the souvenir that was like one of my favorite movies of like 2019 and they're, they're making a part two and that was supposed to come out last year, but I think it's coming out this year. And so then, uh, during pandemic, I like went back and watched like the first two movies she made, mm-hmm. uh, very different. Yeah. But, but like those two were very kind of similar. Um, and like, it's all stylistically like, um, the topic not as similar, but like stylistically very similar. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's interesting that that I think maybe if I had seen this movie before I saw Twelve Years a Slave, I probably would have noticed similarities between the two, um, in how he chose to tell the story. Yeah, I think that's um, so not even close to a comparison, but like definitely the same point. Where like Christopher Nolan's first movie I watched for the podcast called Following. Mm-hmm. And like, that, yeah. like he, it's always like a uh, not necessarily unreliable narrator, but like not not necessarily an antihero, but somebody you're following somebody who's not good by traditional standards, mm-hmm. and then the, and then um, like nonlinear storytelling where like every the story sort of unfolds, and it's supposed to make more sense, and like. You see it in Inception. You see it in Tenet. It's just like he's Memento, doing this. He's doing the know, same it, thing, the but prestige. with, with yeah, more with more money, and mm. like in a different setting. But it's always just like unreliable narrator, nonlinear storytelling. Like uh, th- this is unfolding, and you're just like, ah. Eh. It's like it's the same thing. Like I'm I'm ready for something new. You know? Yeah. It's something that's cool, it, but it, um, certain stylistic things, yes, done done different ways, different over and over again, are great. But then, when you use too many of the same tricks over and over again, people are like, "Okay, I've seen this trick before." Right. Do do a, do a different thing. It can stylistically be similar. I mean, it's it's rare to have someone like Stanley Kubrick, where every movie is so extremely different. But then if you look at the techniques and stuff he used, it's like, oh, these are all the same type of and, creative, like, 
and he's he does an interesting thing where like he only will do novels adaptations and like mm. the I mean like one that was different was like uh two thousand one where like he wrote it with Arthur C. Clarke but like for yeah. the most part he takes a really good well thought out story and then you know and does it differently yeah he <laughs> takes what's brilliant mm. about it and like does it within his own I want to say taste but just like he changes it. Um, mm. and like, that's why all of his stories are already so strong. And then he just adds, you mm. know, the cinematography for it. Or, or even it's like, like Tarkovsky, if you think about, it's like, uh, Stalker and Andre Bluff, like, they're not similar stories at all, but you could be like, if, if someone told you they were maybe the same guy, you'd be like, oh yeah, duh. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> he's got a worldview yeah. He's got, like, certain things that interest him, and he's got certain questions about humanity that he wants to answer. You're like, oh, yeah. Um, have you, wait, have you heard of Quentin Tarantino? Have you heard of him? Because <laughs> it's just, you know what I mean? Like, that, there's, there's like, there's auteurs, and then there's, like, that, that being said, like, I'll see whatever he does, but it's just like, oh, how is he going to do, oh, it's cool, oh, he's going to do Cowboys now? I'll see the hell out of that. Mm -hmm. Like, we're... You know, but that's sort of like to, I think that's a good place to start for people that don't quite understand how directors do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Or like, well, an, like, like how, how an author like imprints mm -hmm. the same, like you said, the same questions, but in different, with mm -hmm. different stories. Well, like Tarantino, it's like, you can have multiple examples of that that are different where like Reservoir Dogs. It, Pulp Fiction feels like a bigger world, mm -hmm. longer story, uh, more stories happening. Yes. You know the same kind of idea where it's like, hey, so some crime stuff went wrong. Um, instead of it being one crime, it's like, oh, a bunch of things that overlap. Yes. And then the opposite, you could say, oh, in Inglorious Bastards, he was like, what if we look at... Um, what if we do basically a Western mm -hmm. in a historical context that it's normally not? Um, and then we can talk about things like how the Nazis, you know, thought of Americans as being racist and like so many other like little, like yeah. we can include all these things about World War II. And then it's like, oh, what if we do a Western that is in the South and, uh, it's slave revenge thing. And mm -hmm. then it's like, it's actually like a simpler story. It's like a way simpler story and I think less successful and feels longer than Inglorious Bastards in Django. Oh, so um, but I love it. That's the thing. It's yeah. like, uh, well, I think, I think Django's good. I think Django is the reservoir dogs to Inglorious Bastards. Pulp fiction uh, is an analogy that I never occurred to me until right now. And that one is more successful than the other. He definitely does a thing and then like makes it better the next time so you know well, i'm saying that one he did a thing and then he made it less good the next time Ooh. compared to compared to before he had made it better that's interesting okay hmm. yeah i think there's just a lot to think about with him like it's mm -hmm. easy to gloss over him because like he it's so easy to like if you don't understand movies but it's also mm -hmm. really easy to like if you like movies like that's the whole thing is like there's there's depth, even though there's flash. 
So yeah, well, I think people say about him and have been saying it for. I remember someone saying this like in high school that it's a lot of style over substance, mm-hmm. and it's like on the one hand, one style and substance are both important and both good for and a movie, two, especially especially for a movie. And then two. Uh, there is a lot more substance that people give him credit for. Yeah. It's like, oh, just because he's, you know, doing a mashup of spaghetti westerns and World War II things and blah, blah, blah. It's like, he's actually kind of, like, there's that whole scene where they're, uh, in Glorious Bastards, where they're playing that game mm-hmm. and the people. The Guess got, Who game, yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's Hong, and it's, and it's King Kong. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, oh, the American, uh, slaves or whatever. And it's like, yeah, the Nazis fucking they all had propaganda about like let's do what america did yeah <laughs> you know like there's so many like references to things that most old timey world war ii movies like great escape didn't talk about yeah because they were yeah that's a good point yeah no i yeah he does we're very far afield but no this Aren't... is a good discussion no we're talking about mcqueen <laughs> we're talking about the impact an actor yes. or a director oh. has on a oh, film duh. i forgot <laughs> It was like, man, we still talk about those movies. We're talking about these movies now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes sense. Uh, I'm Chuck. We're leaving it in. It makes sense. No, it's good. It's good. Um, so which one did you think uh, was more McQueen-centric? I- I'm going with Hunger. I'm going with Hunger. If Steve McQueen's character is more involved, it would be a harder decision. But I think he's – I think with him being – the more famous actor and him being as good as he is, I think they made the right decision to do what was best for the movie and only use him as much as they needed to. Yeah. I think this would be a weirder movie if there were fewer people and Steve McQueen played a bigger role. Yeah. Cause I've definitely seen that before where it's like, I can't think of an example, but like, Oh, they, Anything they, with they, they, uh, they clearly wanted to make this guy the main guy. And anything with Sylvester Stallone, like <laughs> he legitimately like demands that like he like that they change the script so that he's portrayed better. It's insane. Well, it's like, especially because he's I've like a about... dumb asshole. That's the problem. It's like he's not good. Are you, are you thinking of Sylvester Stallone? Or are you thinking of um, what was his name? Uh, Steven Seagal. Oh no, like Steven Seagal is the reason they make a movie is to have Steven Seagal in it. Like Sylvester Stallone will sign on to a movie and then change the like demand that things oh, be okay. changed. Like Steven Seagal has a ponytail for God's sake, all right? Like <laughs> no one no one hires him and expects him to be a good cast member, but they're like, "Oh, Rocky, like you want to you want an Academy Award for writing and directing this movie, not to mention starring in." And he's like, "Yeah, uh, but now I'm going to have my brother do the soundtrack. They're like, what? <laughs> no, no, you're not. It's it's Rambo. We're not going to have mm-hmm. you. Do, and like, no, it's fine. It's He's going to sing about the Vietnam. And you're like, what the, when the hell are you talking about? It's a, it's like, it also reminds me of, um, I heard about in all the, the main actors in the Fast and Furious movies nowadays yes. have in their contract that they that they have to win as many fights as they lose with That's anyone awesome. to lose in a fight too. That's so So it's awesome. like so it's that like seems something to... like their characters would ask for. Yeah, but in real it's like life, they, they, have, they have to take turns That's between awesome. Vin Diesel, The Rock, and Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. They they have to each win one of the fights. 
And if one of them wins two fights, then each of them has to win two fights between the three of them. That's awesome. Um, which is so fucking stupid. And that they, just sounds so tedious. They it's all like, have to fall do in love. what's best for the plot. They have to all... Okay, they're off to a bad start, Jeremy. There's no... that's You don't see this movie for plot. You're like... Those so, movies have a plot. They I'm do. not saying that. I'm not arguing it that they... when it's there. I'm it just saying, gone. if the car could fly through the air more, me happy. Okay? That's all yeah. I'm saying. Just, you know, know your audience. And your audience is... Waiting for all of them to fall in the, fall in love with each other's sisters, and they all become a family. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. It's all about family. Okay. Yeah, it is. It is. It's all about family. Um, okay, so we have decided uh, Hunger is the premier uh, Steve McQueen prison movie that you should watch. Definitely go watch The Great Escape when you have a, uh, I don't know, five-day weekend. Just knock it out. It's good. It still stands up. It's a long day. Yeah. If, you got, if there's a day that has 28 hours in the day instead of 24, just knock it out. Yeah, you got tons of time. Um, I don't. I think like don't watch Hunger and do anything else that day. Like, or uh, watch Hunger and immediately after it watch like Walk Hard or something. There that you go. Is yes, ba- it's all about balance. Um, yeah. We'll be back in a second with uh, some recommendations for other prison movies, not necessarily Steve McQueen prison movies, I'm sorry, um, and uh, some plugs. So we'll be back in just a second. All right, we're back. Uh, we realized that uh, we sort of paint ourselves in a corner. There's not a lot of other Steve McQueen prison movies. We kind of we cornered the market with these two, <laughs> let alone... It's weird that there are two. Um, Steve yeah. McQueen, uh, the white old man, has been in a bunch of movies, and you should probably check out most of them, but I'm going to recommend a prison movie. When I was looking through them, uh, they mentioned like American History X, and I'm like, I don't think that counts. Um, but I want to recommend Cool Hand Luke, which takes place almost Ooh. primarily in a prison. Um I don't know if I want to recommend the Jackie Chan uh, sort of ripoff of that called The Prisoner, but here I am. Uh, check them both out. There is a scene um, in the Jackie Chan version where instead of boiled eggs, uh, the Jackie Chan, or it might be Sammo Hung character, gets challenged to eat like a like 25 pounds of rice. <laughs> and, uh, and then every... Every member of the, uh, all of the inmates go up and take a spoonful to help out. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely played much more seriously than the egg scene, which I think means that, uh, Jackie Chan missed the point of, uh, Cool Hand Luke. But I definitely recommend that. It's one of those movies which, uh, you're probably, you're like, oh, I've heard of that. It probably doesn't stand up to, you know, modern audiences. Um, no, it's good. Uh, Paul Newman, great salad dressing, great actor. Check him out. So, um, I was, I I have to say, the only other Steve McQueen movie I've seen, I've never seen Bullet. It's pretty good. Um, but I have seen 12 Years of Slave, and it's really good. So, you should watch that. But then I was thinking, what is a movie that is similar to this? And my first thought was, the first scene of X-Men First Class Oh. Because it combines, mm-hmm. um, oh, what's his name? Michael uh, Fassbender. Ma- Michael Fassbender and uh, killing Nazis. 
So, uh, but then I remembered. But th- so it's it's both movies. A yes. Little bit. And then I remembered that Glorious Bastards also has um, Michael You're Fassbender all... in it. He's so good in that. And Michael Fassbender, I was looking just at in between segments. Yeah. Um, at the reception for Hunger. Yes. And it was like it was like oh Toronto Film Critics Association Awards or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave um hunger best film of 2019 to, 2009 and it shared the award with inglorious bastards and it's like, <laughs> oh uh i guess this movie didn't come out in canada until 2009 because it came most places 2008 That's um but yeah so inglorious bastards is great and then it's just in, ter- in terms of a prison movie um i'm sure there are other prison movies that i like but i you you gotta go with um, Shawshank Redemption. Everyone's seen it. Everyone's heard of it. Yeah. Um, I said to Liz, "Hey, we should watch that after we finish these." And she's like, "Um, we just watched a three and a half hour movie about prisoners, and <laughs> yesterday we watched a punishing movie yes. about a guy starving to death." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, we'll watch a comedy." You're like, "You're so, right. We should watch The Green Mile." You're like, "No, like, yeah, you're, you're right. Let's let's watch a two and a half hour long prison <laughs> movie that's also depressing for most of it." Uh, no, she wanted to watch, um, we watched Popstar, and it was good. That's so, such a good movie. I that's guess a, my recommendation that's a is Popstar. Brilliant, uh, palate cleanser. That's a good one. Um. The, the first time I saw Popstar was right after I, um, had rewatched Walk Hard. Okay. So I was like, this is good, but it's not yeah, that good. That's, and then I rewatched it. I rewatched it, and I'm like, oh, when I'm not comparing it to one of the best movies I've ever seen, uh, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's like, hey, I winked at you on stage. That means you're my girlfriend now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very good, and it's sad that it was a flop. And I think it'll be same. That's what happened to Popstar, and that's yeah. too bad. Popstar and and Walk Hard, they're yeah, whatever. Audiences are dumb. Um, that being said, Jeremy, uh, we got a lot of good recommendations out of the way. Um, now it's plug time. What do you want to share with our listeners? What are you up to? Um, this is going to come out in July. If July, that okay. 15th. July 15th. I have a podcast called Sorry, Please Continue. Um, we haven't recorded it in a while because of the pandemic, but we're going to start doing that soon. We do that at the Heavy Anchor in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, probably some Wednesday of the month. I don't know which one yet. We're, well, we're starting new. Um, but upcoming shows in july if you live in cape Girardeau, i'm doing two shows um somewhere in cape Girardeau on july 31st nice i'm, he- I'm headlining both of them so if you want to see me do a long set you can do that if you want to see me do two long sets the the don't do that that's stupid um <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be the same jokes um, <laughs> honesty is appreciated here at the podcast I mean, it, it, Buy buy two t- buy, buy a there ticket you for you. Buy a ticket for a friend for the other show. There you go. Or both of you come to the same show. Um, yeah. Um, I have a show at the Heavy Anchor, but it's in June. Um, I'm just looking at my calendar. It was I'm, great. I'm, I'm, by getting, the way. I'm getting back. I'm getting back to booking stuff. That's awesome. So yeah, we are currently recording at the end of May, so we are. Uh, crawling our way out of the deep dark cave here so yeah now that the pandemic's over i actually have a spreadsheet of like 
all of the bookers. Yeah. Like locally or in nearby cities. And it's like, when is the last time I contacted them? How <laughs> how do I contact them? Like, do like, they still work there? When's the last time they they booked me? Like, I've got like all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, why was it not this organized before? Because <laughs> um, it was easier not to. But yeah. this is helping so far. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Jeremy's around town, uh, punching up his stuff at open mics, and then premiering, headlining, and featuring are those the words it's well the three roles in a three-person show are um host or mc or opener i guess and then feature which is also a type of opener or middle usually you'd say feature and the headliner so like at, awesome. at a comedy club it's like one guy does 10 minutes and also introduces everybody one guy does like 20 to 30 and one guy does like 40 to an hour gotcha and then that adds up to like an hour and a half Awesome. Or if if there's like a just a showcase, it depends on how many people on the show. I don't know. It doesn't. There, there you aren't, go. There aren't really rules other than don't have your show be longer than an hour and a half because you <laughs> get tired of comedy. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So uh, this has been comparing apples to oranges. We uh, tackled the very heady uh, mix of hunger and great escape today. Jeremy, I'm going to try out uh, my new sign-off with you. Uh, Ooh, this I'm is, excited. This is Mike. No, you say your name. This is Mike. No, you say your Wait, name. This, this, is is Mike. this is Jeremy. This is Mike. This is Jeremy. And remember, when you're comparing apples to oranges, it's all fruit. <laughs> I've been, I've been, uh, I've been trying that one out for a little bit. I'm like, this isn't too bad. I, I never had a way to close this besides saying goodbye. So I'm like, this will work. So I was just thinking, if your show was called Potatoes to Potatoes, it'd be like Potatoes to Potatoes. They're all potatoes. I thought you were gonna say, and let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> that's that's better than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna say I'm not workshopping it. All right, we're still it's still in the mix. All right, it is all gonna, fruit. It is all fruit. And we'll catch you and, next month. Bye. I was going to say, what if you said, as comparing apples and oranges, don't worry, they're both vegetables. Good night. <laughs> and see people would be like, wait, wait, what? the nice uh instrumental from the great escape uh thanks for listening this has been episode 64 of the podcast i hope you liked it uh blogger site is up to date with all past episodes of the podcast go ahead and check it out at the cato podcast.blogspot.com uh check out the show notes for a couple extras and goodies jeremy's website and show info it will be in the show notes as well any comments for future episodes of the podcast, send it to at the Cato Podcast for Twitter or emails at CatoPodcast at gmail.com. That intro, outro, and music bed music was thumbs up by the artist Leisure B. If you liked it and want to check out more of his songs, more of his stuff, go to humanworkshop.com and we'll catch you next month. Bye. <laughs>